It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Here you go. Here you go. Vegas, baby. Nothing personal word of the day. It's Monday, March 6th, 2023. Got back from Vegas late last night, three nights. First night, two hours sleep. Second night, zero hours. Third night, zero hours. Straight from a nightclub where we saw the chain smokers right into watching the F1 race, first race of the year in Bahrain. I'm here with you because where else would I rather be? Quite a bit happened during the weekend I want to talk about. But before I do, I want to mention that when you go to Vegas, you're thinking about a lot of things as a sports executive. In addition to making your niece happy and showing her a 21st birthday of a lifetime, you only get one, making memories that are hopefully good to try to replace some of the ones which are bad, trying to corral 21 people over the course of many events, many disparate needs, desires. It can be exhausting. And add a layer on top of that where you're trying to have fun yourself. That's a little layer. But then add the executive layer. The executive layer is when you go to a ballpark as a president of a baseball team and you spend the whole time in a visiting ballpark looking around at their signage, walking around their concession stands, criticizing things that they do or looking for things that they do better than you do so that you can copy it and do things that you used to do better. Then you go to another sport, let's say a basketball game. I would go to Miami Heat games while running the Marlins and I'd look around, say, ooh, good, oh God. Just things like that. Occupational hazard. So I'm walking around Vegas to the extent that everything there is a walk. You wanna get to In-N-Out Burger near the Flamingo, it's a 27 minute walk. And if you had a bicycle and you could be a crow, it'd be like three minutes. You're going up, you're going down. People in Vegas, you know what I'm talking about. You're across the bridge, you're down, up, stairs, no stairs, dodging in and out of people. Wait, you're at Chippendales? It's just a Tuesday in Vegas. And all I'm doing is thinking to myself, 
Am I moving a team to Vegas? Because I wanted to move a team to Vegas. Had a perfect plan to deal with the casinos, how it would work. The Oakland A's are extremely serious about moving to Las Vegas. They've told you all how serious they are. Rob Manfred, the commissioner, has told you how serious he is about the Oakland A's moving to Vegas. Here's what was going on this past weekend in addition to my niece's 21st. Let's just see if you can keep it straight. There was a NASCAR race. There was a UFC fight. There was a Adele concert. There was a Chainsmokers concert. There were tons of comedy shows. There was gambling. There was general debauchery. There was beautiful weather. There was windy weather. There were people who don't come to the Strip who live in Vegas or live in Henderson. There's people who come to the Strip, stay in the Strip. There's people who don't leave the Strip. I didn't see one Oakland A's hat, I'll tell you that. I didn't hear anybody talking about, and not for lack of looking, because I took some very, very scientific polls. Excuse me, color change 25? What do you think of that color green? You excited about the A's? What, what do you mean? There's no aces? No, the A's, baseball. Oh yeah, I think that we have like a, a, a spring training game coming up or something, or. Yeah, there's, they're, they, I think they're moving here maybe. I said, well, are you buying tickets? I went through my list of questions. Not like the survey that was sent by the Oakland A's organization, which showed the number of people in Las Vegas who are gonna likely, less likely, somewhat likely, more likely to buy season tickets. And then we use that information to show how excited everyone is for Vegas. National Hockey League got it right. They put an expansion team in Vegas, called them the Golden Knights had them win early, and people love it. The people who live in Vegas, 41 games a year, smaller arena, outstanding arena, convenient arena, the Golden Knights are doing fantastically. The NFL said, we're not gonna fall behind. They were already behind. They built a huge, gorgeous Super Bowl hosting stadium, have the Vegas Raiders in there, the John Gruden-led Raiders. Oh no, strike that. The Derek Carr-led Raiders, whatever. Whoever is leading the Raiders. So now, MLS, MLB, NBA, PDQ, with of course, it's Vegas, LSD, are all working to get another team because we're a bunch of copycatters. Couple of things that Oakland ought to keep in mind. Number one, I didn't see one person wearing anything A's related, nor in my poll did I find anyone, tourist or not, who cared. And this is the important part. What baseball is doing to convince you that baseball works in Vegas is saying, we'll put a roof there because you have to have a roof. You can't have baseball in the summer in Vegas by the roof. But secondly, we get 39.9 million visitors to the strip and they're gonna wanna come and see a baseball game. So I walked the strip and I asked. I said, hey, there's a game today. I got free tickets to a game. I had to elbow out the guy giving away free tickets to the strip club, nightclub tickets to the women, and a coupon for five guys. Elbowed him out and said, I got tickets to a baseball game, ready to roll? No. How about this, you wanna go see the Montreal Canadiens against the Las Vegas Golden Knights? Who? 
These are people who come to Vegas. They don't want to go to an NHL game. Now, the Golden Knights will tell you we've got a huge percentage of our season ticket base that gets given away to people who are here. And the individual tickets are always sold to people who are just doing it an impulse because they're in Vegas and say, hey, this is a good idea. It's the group sales departments that can be successful in Vegas. Go to the conferences, go to the, go to the casinos, say, hey, buy 4,000 tickets, give them away to people in your group. I mean, I can imagine an entire section for AVN people, maybe the ConCon, the construction people. Come on in. You see where I'm going with this? Vegas is a city like Orlando, except for adults over 21. Orlando has the magic. There's been talk all the time. Doesn't Orlando, shouldn't there be another team? Why isn't there a baseball team in Orlando? Move the Tampa Bay Rays right up the I-4 corridor. Let's draw people through that corridor. It doesn't work that way. Affinity doesn't get grown that way in such a transient area. Vegas, Orlando, Tampa, Miami, transient. No matter what we try to say to you, no matter what the marketing department does or says, when you've got a transient city, you have to find a way to build an attachment. And the way to build an attachment is with something new as opposed to something relocated, which means that Las Vegas, which is being considered as an, an expansion city by Major League Baseball, has a far better chance than taking the Oakland A's as a relocated team for myriad reasons, not the least of which is money. Remember when Rob Manfred said that we're not going to charge a relocation fee to John Fisher, the owner of the A's? He can just have Vegas for himself. But if Vegas is an expansion city, that could be a couple bill. I had a good weekend. I'm tired. Slept eight hours last night in a row and woke up feeling worse. I haven't slept eight hours in a row and I don't know how long. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in a city that in theory is oversaturated by entertainment options. Everyone wants to keep adding more entertainment options. I was walking around after the UFC fight. People were like, two minutes, man, two minutes. Maybe they'll be saying that about baseball soon. So when you are deciding between city and money, do you know what always wins? Because that's our show. Of course, the money's going to win. If Vegas puts a deal together, they'll get a baseball team or they'll get an NBA team. And the commissioners of those sports will be able to say that they accomplished something by bringing in more revenue to the existing owners who split the expansion money, the relocation money, claim victory. I don't know that it's such a big victory. Vegas is one of my favorite cities in the world. I'm just not sure it is going to be a three or four professional sports city. I guess we'll wait to see. I already gave you a wait to see. Mikey's with us today, two shows in a row. Coke is still away, he'll be back tomorrow. Mikey, we do these uh, wait to sees. I have a wait to see that's pending where I revisit it because so many people, I wonder if the guys on your show do that. Do your guys make a prediction or say something's gonna happen and then when it doesn't happen, they just sort of ignore it. And when it does happen, they say, hey, we told you. I love that, right? Because how many guys who do picks do that in Vegas? Hey, we had a seven and one week this week. Hell yeah. Not telling you they had a one and seven week last week. So it turns out that Mikey's show, and I guess I should, shouldn't we promote your show right now? Am I allowed to promote a CBS Showtime show? I mean, I'm happy to, but 
All right, don't tell the CBS guys and don't tell anyone else. Morning Combat, you may want to check it out. It's really cool because Mikey produces it. It's done in conjunction with CBS. It's also done with Showtime. And it turns out Mikey's figured out how to yell in my ear this morning. Try not to yell so loudly, please. Although that's helping. I won't fall asleep during the show. You copied us and made a segment called Dead Wrong when you get called out by fans. I love that. Thank you for doing that, Mikey. You know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Do you know when imitation is not a sincere form of flattery? When what you're imitating is something that is so reckless and so downright stupid that you end up being John Morant. We did it, we did it, Mikey. That was, that's called the transition. Coke has been teaching us transitions for like 700 episodes when you can go from one subject to the next and people who are watching and listening don't even realize that you've transitioned and all of a sudden you're going from Vegas, Chippendales, right into John Morant and guns. Smooth as a baby's buttocks. I don't wanna joke about John Morant, but in a way I do. Let's joke about it first and then talk seriously about the issue. Here's the joke. I'm on record saying that I'd rather have John Morant than anyone else from that draft, including Zion Williamson, and that Memphis has someone who they're gonna win a championship with. You look at the talent of John Morant and you get seduced. I've done it so many times where I've seen a player and I've seen off-field issues and I'm so seduced by the on-field talent that I don't think twice, we're gonna be fine. John Morant is away from the Memphis Grizzlies indefinitely. He was on an Instagram Live brandishing a gun in a nightclub in theory in Denver, but who cares? What are you doing? Talk to me. John Morant is reaching out for help. Where are the team psychologists? Where are the people who actually care about him? What about the father fighting in the front with Shannon Sharp? Do you care about your son? Or just the money that he gives you? I'm just asking. I don't know the answer. John Morant and your best friends, are you caring about Ja or just making sure the spigot doesn't turn off? Well, I've been around a bunch of groupies before who hang around with people and players who are gonna make money and then the players get hurt or God forbid die and everyone goes Kaiser frickin' Soze and they disappear. John Morant, if you're not making money, you're gonna be alone so fast that your head's gonna spin like you were in poltergeist. The people you choose to surround yourself with, you may think that they're with you because they like you and love you and they've been part of your life forever, or they may be around you because they think that you can give them a better life than they can give themselves. And when you stop giving them that better life, they'll move on like some sort of sucking organism to another host and suck the life out of them too. How do you stop it? It's the most vexing question I faced, other than how do you not win 81 games with Stanton, Yelich, and Ozuna? The most vexing question I faced in a long, mostly undistinguished, with occasional bouts of great levels of distinguishedness. How do you take a player and erase their past and help them live their first day as a professional as though it's their first day on earth. Am I playing God when I would decide that there were certain players who I wanted to make sure did not get stuck with certain of the people who I saw that they were stuck with? 
Is it not for me to say who players are with off the field, what they're doing on the field? I always thought it was my role to at least say something, point out when I saw something to say something. The problem with saying something when you see something is that you run the risk of the person you say it to not wanting to hear anything that you've said because they say to you, hey, I see something in you, you're privileged. You don't know what my background is. You didn't live the life I led. You don't realize how hard it is for me when I am home, whether it's in the Dominican and Venezuela or in the projects of Los Angeles. And my answer was always the same. I only see you today, but here's what I see. And with what I see today, I'm really good at seeing tomorrow. You're gonna think I'm wrong because you're gonna think I'm talking to you like a parent. Even when I was the same age as some of the players, although I kept getting older and they stayed the same. And this was before nothing personal and before wait to see. But too often the player would say to me, you don't get it, I get it, and I've got it. And then there'd come a time when I got to say to players, except one where I never had the chance to, you don't have it, you didn't get it, and now you've lost it. John Morant is in danger of losing what could have been a Hall of Fame basketball career. And you think that I'm speaking in hyperbole? John Morant is away from the game. They're saying two games indefinitely now. What are the Memphis Grizzlies doing? They've got their sports psychologist ready to go. They're trying to go at him through friends on the team, all things that I've done, all different touch points. Please speak to Ja, trying with his dad trying with his agent, all for the sole purpose of seeing if you can knock some sense into him to make him realize what he is sacrificing. For those who believe that he has a guaranteed four-year, $193 million contract, here's the problem. The, max, the rookie max deal that he signed is based on percentage of salary cap. If the salary cap goes up, that's good for him. But more importantly, what he controls, you make the all NBA team, he can make 30% of the salary cap. You don't, 25% of the salary cap. This is real money that he's gonna be cost when he's not a member of the all NBA team because of the way of what's happening right now off the court. On top of that, these contracts have clauses in them. There are termination rights that if Ja continues to act in the way he's acting, if I am running the Memphis Grizzlies, I am looking for ways to terminate his contract because eventually the juice will not be worth the squeeze. And this is not a one-off event. There have been rumblings around Ja going on for quite a long time, but as executives, we ignore them and we ignore them because we wanna win. No matter how we act and what we say and how little you think we care, we wanna win. So we want the best players on the court to help us win. That guy's injury prone. He's so freaking good. We're gonna sign him and we're gonna say he's never gonna get injured again. Oh, you're injured? Damn, got that one wrong. This guy's got off court troubles. Golly, is he good. Bring him in. He won't have the off court troubles anymore. Ooh, different uniform, same guy. 
we all think that we can fix every player's mental state and physical state. We all think that we're the exception, not the rule. We can take on that player. We can take on that 41-year-old. He'll still be performing. Where are the other 41-year-old performing players? I don't know, but our guy will do it. What do you do when you've got someone like John Morant and you know you've got this problem? Here's what you do, and it's so hard that no one does it. Guilty, didn't do it. You trade him. Hard to imagine trading a player like John Morant. People would think that you're crazy. You don't know what you're doing. You're giving up. What do you know that we don't know? You can't know anything that we don't know because I'm on Twitter. Here's why you trade him. Because problems like this that John Morant has, it is the exception, not the rule, that they go away within the first five to 10 years in the league. Which brings up the issue of age, which brings up the issue of social media, which brings up the issue of all of this money going to young kids who have grown up in an era where the phone is always on. A live video brandishing a gun? Players, when I started, it was not, social media was just starting and the bigger risk was paparazzi or the bigger risk was lawsuits coming from people who may have, he said, she said in a nightclub. There's no more of that. We tell the players today, I don't know what you're talking about. There's never gonna be a dispute as to what happened because you're being filmed everywhere, whether you know it or not. Every nightclub you go to, you're being filmed. If you purposely are filming yourself, you're an idiot. If you're not, and you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, you're still an idiot. Even when you're at home and only with five people, you could go full Michael Phelps and still get the bong video. Just be aware. But we're asking teenagers and young adults to be aware of things that if you asked other 19, 20, 21, 22, or 23 year olds, it would not even occur to them to be aware. Just because they're good at a sport, was Doogie Howser all of a sudden some, oh, I can't do a Doogie Howser reference, Coke. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Pick any young person who is like the 15 year old who goes to college because he's genius. Is that person allowed to go to parties and all of a sudden start sniffing glue? No, they're 15. But in professional sports, we don't differentiate. Our 19-year-old or 20-year-old Miguel Cabrera was on the road with our veteran teams in 03. But he was a 20-year-old kid doing 20-year-old kid stuff. And we're saying, why can't you act like a 30-year-old? Because he's 20. Does that excuse John Morant? Not even close. But I'll tell you what it does do. It guarantees the fact that he's now become the face of the problem of the NBA and the problem of other professional sports where we think that the money, the fame, and the support that we're giving, we've got all these coaches and we've got all these great facilities and we all travel and charter. We don't travel commercially. There can't be problems in airports. We think that the things we do by throwing money, even more money, not just at the kids in salary, but in all these great other perks, that that will all of a sudden mature them. We've gotten it wrong this entire time. What is going to mature these kids is consequences. Here's the consequences. Money. 
You're going to watch and see what happens as we go forward with rookie max extensions, with extensions in general as the new CBA is negotiated. And what you're going to see is that teams are going to want a bit of protection. They've got the protection now in terms of incentive clauses that are part of the contracts like the one John Morant signed. But teams want more. They don't want to get stuck with players who can't perform because of off-field issues and off-court issues. It's an ugly subject that is not talked about a lot on sports talk shows, and it's not about race. It's not about color or creed or ability. It's about trying to make sure that the people you're paying are actually on the court helping you win games. I feel for Ja. Taylor Jenkins is their coach who simply said, we're getting him the help he needs. What steps? What do we do? The reason why he's not telling you is that no one can tell you. You can't separate him from all his friends. You can't tell him something that he doesn't want to hear. What, have you tried that with your own kids? Does it work? It doesn't. All right, I think we should take a break right now, Mikey, and then we're going to come back, review a movie, and we're going to talk about what's going on with the Baltimore Ravens because I simply cannot believe what I read this weekend. We will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can you feel the madness? Welcome back to Nothing Personal. If you're not watching this live, you don't even know what the hell I'm talking about. You had a different set of commercials. If you are, then, hey, March Madness. It's March. That's pretty cool. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with me. Took two days off to go to Vegas. We're back live right now. We'll be here all week. We're here all week. I still watch the movie every day. Can you imagine going to Vegas and knowing that even though you're up all night, and even though you're doing other crazy, lascivious, prurient, lovely activities, the reality is you still have to go back to your room for at least 90 minutes to 120 minutes to watch a movie because A, you love doing it, B, you watch a movie every day. So the Academy Awards are a week from yesterday. Today's Monday. The Academy Awards are this coming Sunday, March 12th. Yes, I will be watching. We will have a full recap on next Monday's show. Don't turn it off. My recaps are funny. What's going to happen? How many slap jokes are there going to be? Did you see the Chris Rock Netflix special? I have not watched it yet, Mikey. I've got to watch that. I read the review of it, so I read half the jokes, but I want to see him perform them. Apparently, he did a 10-minute riff on the whole Will Smith slap thing. It is no coincidence that Chris Rock was quiet about this until now, almost a year later, and he maximized. Chris did it. That's good business. He maximized the slap. So one of the movies nominated for Best Picture is called Women Talking. Now, what do you think that's about? Just on a hunch. Sarah Polly wrote and directed it. It stars Claire Foy and Jesse Buckley. They say it stars Frances McDormand, but she's in, in the movie for three minutes. She's in the movie for less time than Dame Judi Dench was in Shakespeare in Love. What do you think it's about? Have you read about it? It's literally women talking. It's funny when a movie title exactly describes what is happening throughout the entire movie. 
Iron Man. No, that doesn't work. The Avengers. No, that doesn't work. That's not descriptive. It just tells you who's starring there. This is the end. That's sort of a good description. But let me tell you, women talking is women talking. And here's what they're saying. They live in a community where they're being raped and pillaged by their own husbands and other men in a modern day Mennonite community. Question, what do we do? And like 12 angry men, they sit around and decide, do we stay in this community? Do we leave or do we do nothing? Do we stay and fight? Do we leave or do we do nothing? This is the most interesting movie I've seen this year. If you need action, you're not getting it. If you want a script nominated for screenplay that is so brilliant as these women who are not allowed to read, not allowed to write, not allowed to leave and have to wake up in a pool of their own blood having been raped during the night and drugged. This is based on a true story. How do you muster up the courage to stop what you don't believe you deserve to not have happen to you? We talk about battered women syndrome, right? When people are battered and they feel like they can't leave because they still love their spouse so much. That's a real syndrome. This movie goes through that in very significant detail. And I found it to be perfectly written, perfectly acted. Rooney Mara plays a character that will haunt you, not in an evil way, in a maybe the, the saddest but most uplifting character arc of anyone in the movies this year. It's called Women Talking. It's not gonna win Best Picture, but it should win an hour and a half to two hours of your time. Okay, let's talk about the Ravens and about players. Mikey, I've never, we were talking about this pre-show, you know, the humble brag, 18 year flex, which you know I do on nothing personal. I just did something, when you do something for that long, you see a lot. I try to talk to you all about things that I've seen, things that I know are going on. That's what nothing personal is. You're getting a behind the scenes look on stuff that's going on today, just because I've been in those rooms. I was trying to think of the last time I had a player who publicly ripped my GM. Now I've had players after a trade, even Stanton did this after the 2012 trade with the Blue Jays, like WTF or what's going on here, who's doing what. That's was sort of at me or maybe even at Larry or Mike, but it was clever, frustrating, still caused me to call him. But what happened in Baltimore was just incredible. I got to read this to you. Now, granted, Twitter's changed everything. People say Twitter's changed everything for the better. Some people say for the worse. Here's what it does. Everyone's got a platform. We talked about it during all of the racial unrest that God knows if we've ever made any progress. Whether your platform is one person or a million people or 10 million people or just your family at the dinner table, we all have a platform now. Whether you have 20 followers or 20,000 or 20 million, it doesn't matter. It's a platform. Use it responsibly. The Baltimore Ravens have a wide receiver named Rashad Bateman. He deleted the tweet, but for all the people under 21 watching the show, and we get the reports that there are a lot of you, for all the people over 21 watching the show, we get the reports, there are a lot of you. Deleting a tweet doesn't remove the tweet. People can screenshot your stupidity and they've got it forever. Forget the fact that it's up in one of Elon's satellites. And I don't mean to be a conspiracy theorist, but deleting it's not gonna matter. 
if you think you're gonna have to delete something, don't tweet it to begin with. Or if you do tweet it, then you wanna delete it, don't delete it and explain why you said what you said and keep both up. Who are you surprising? What are you hiding? He sent out an entire tweet. This is the wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. Calling out, calling out his GM who had criticized for whatever reason, the lack of wide receivers. And the tweet said, this is a first round pick. How about you play to your player's strength and stop pointing the finger at us and number eight, meaning Lamar Jackson, their quarterback. Blame the one you let do this. We're the one who takes the heat 24 seven. Why don't you keep us healthy and care about us and see what happens? Ain't no promises though. Tired of y'all lying and capping on players for no reason. OMG. What do you do if you're the GM who's basically being called out and you're the same GM who's drafted on behalf of your team, 11 wide receivers since 2015 and not one of them has 900 yards in his career? Is it true that the GM and the Ravens are just bad at drafting? Is there a problem with keeping players healthy? Is there a problem with calling out the ability of the Ravens to win or blaming Lamar Jackson instead of the system or instead of the training room? And if there are all these problems, then what's the GM doing? So the GM had to give a quote about the tweet, which said, if I had an answer, that would probably mean I would have some better receivers. We're going to keep swinging. There have been some guys that have been successful players for us that were draft picks. We've never really hit on that all pro type of guy, which is disappointing, but not for lack of effort. We're not gonna stop trying. I get that tweet. I get why a player would be upset as a wide receiver was drafted just two years ago, thinking that maybe the GM's talking about him. But if you have a problem with your GM or a problem with your player, what happened to just communicating directly with that person or that player? When you are doing something as public as what the Ravens are fighting on Twitter right now, it makes the entire team look like amateur hour. And they've got bigger fish to fry. If you are the Baltimore Ravens and you are thinking about anything other than Lamar Jackson, then what the hell are you doing? I don't care about the back and forth Twittering with my wide receiver. I'm gonna deal with it. I'm gonna ask the GM to ease up on the comments, and then I'm gonna ask the wide receiver to not respond publicly to the GM's comments. I don't want it back and forth. And I'd like my GM to be a little more focused on what we're doing with Lamar Jackson. The biggest decision of the offseason for the Ravens is not will they find a better receiver or how to deal with their bad grade with their training staff. No. Was it their training staff? God damn it. Their training staff got a B plus in that recent report card. Ready? 4869. Not to talk about the C plus in the weight room or the F minus in the strength coaches. If you know, you know. If not, just keep keep listening. I'm gonna tie it all back to Lamar Jackson right now. Here I go, ready? Tying it back. Stop worrying about the stuff that you can not improve or improve off the field and think about what you're doing with your franchise quarterback. They've got the tag decision to make. Are you going to extend him? Are you going to franchise tag him? Are you gonna make it the exclusive franchise tag or the non-exclusive franchise tag? Those are big differences. You are gonna pay Lamar Jackson $47 million next year if you give him an ex exclusive tag, and he's a Raven. He can sit out, but he's a Raven. 
if you do a non-exclusive tag, guess what? He then can go out to the New York Jets or the Las Vegas Raiders or the New England Patriots or the Miami Dolphins or any one of 31 teams and say, hi, can you please sign me to an offer sheet? I'll be right back. Hey, Baltimore, you didn't think that I could get Deshaun Watson money. Well, you were right. I didn't get $230 million guaranteed, but I got 227, baby. They're keeping that ceiling at 230, but I snuck in right under there. Do you want to match it? If you don't, I'm out of here and you get two first round picks. What a disaster because you could trade me for way more than two first round picks. But if I can't get an offer that I like, I'm not going to get one. And then I got to play for you on the non-exclusive tag and you only have to pay me $32 million. Now we're talking business, baby. The Ravens have a $15 million decision to make. Do they sign him to non-exclusive at 32 or exclusive at 47? What would you do? Well, I'll tell you what I would do. I would get Lamar Jackson to sign an extension where he makes it known that he will be a Raven for the next four years or five years. We let him know that we will guarantee him an amount of money that is more than any other quarterback not named Deshaun Watson, and it's never going to change. We value you more than any other QB. Ignore the Watson contract. It's not a comp. If you do not choose to ignore it and you do not sign this offer in the next two days, guess what? You're right. We're not tagging you. We're trading you. Why would I trade him instead of tagging him? While the Ravens have been successful, I would not call them as playoff successful as I think they'd like to be under Lamar Jackson. Apologies to Coca. Sometimes you have to recognize when a situation with the player is just not working. I don't view Lamar Jackson as someone who is by himself going to get a Super Bowl to Baltimore. I don't want to let the asset go, and it's not nice to talk about players as assets, but that's what we do because that's what they are in terms of on the field during their career. Believe me, your company views you as an asset or a liability, and the minute your liabilities are greater than your assets, you don't go bankrupt, you get fired. When your assets are greater than your liabilities, you get a promotion. That's how you're being evaluated. Sorry, it's just a fact. Just the facts, Jack. I wish I'd run into Steve, uh, Bill Murray this weekend. That would have been good. So they're going to decide what they're going to do with Lamar Jackson here soon because the deadline, I think, is coming up soon. Like March 7th is the tag deadline. Here we are on March 6th. They got to decide by tomorrow. Think they'll get a trade done by tomorrow? I'm telling you what I would do. What's really going to happen? They're going to tag them. They'd be absolutely nutty to do a non-exclusive tag because there'll be a team who will put an offer out there. And right now, the agents for Lamar Jackson are negotiating what those deals would look like with other teams because they don't know what the Ravens are going to do. One thing that I didn't do is give away our position to players when we were negotiating, but it was always different levels of players. The players in baseball who don't know their future are players who are arbitration eligible, and you don't really tell them whether you're going to tender them a contract or do something called non-tender them. But in baseball, when you tender a contract to a player, they're yours. When you non-tender them, they're free agents. There's no sort of, oh, unrestricted free agents where you can go get offer sheets and there's a right to match. Baseball doesn't have that concept and we're the better for it. Because the whole right to match thing, that is a catalyst for absolute tampering and insanity. 
That's how you salaries escalate, not de-escalate. Oh, Christ, we got to match this ridiculous offer? Oh, no, we're not going to match it. We'll let a player go, but then we don't get anything for that player. And that's terrible when you let an asset go for nothing unless you had planned for that player to play with you all the way through arbitration and then before becoming a free agent, you let the player just go and take draft picks back because you're competing that season as an example. All of these are considerations that we have in a front office and you have to weigh all of them against the reality of a pending deadline. The tag deadline is tomorrow. The Lamar Jackson situation will be taken care of tomorrow. You know it won't be? The Joe Bonamosa situation. Joe Bonamosa, that's the guitarist. What am I doing? Okay, Mikey, ready? Four, eight, six, nine. Tell you what won't be taken care of by tomorrow. That's the Rashad Bateman situation. Eric DaCosta's got bigger fish to fry right now. He'll deal with Rashad at another time. All right. Did you see what's going on in baseball? Can we just talk about this for one quick second? I'm going to have more to say on this topic, maybe on tomorrow's show, but I just, I can't let today's show end. And we still have another six minutes of cool stuff. So don't turn off. Turn it off like a light switch. Just say, ooh, Max Scherzer. We did a segment last week, Mikey, on Nothing Personal. We talked about where the new pitch clock rules in baseball, are they good for the pitchers or good for the hitters? Max Scherzer said they're good for the pitchers. Aaron Judge said they're good for the hitters. It's now gone totally crazy. Max Scherzer got called for a balk this past weekend when he was ready to go and ready to throw a pitch. Maybe this was Friday. Ready to throw a pitch, the batter walks in, steps in, and the minute the clock gets to eight, he throws the pitch. Even when the batter wasn't looking, but he was in the ready position, but not necessarily looking at the pitcher, or was he looking at the pitcher, but really not ready, but sort of ready, and then there's a quick pitch rule. You can't do a quick pitch, which the violation is a definition of a quick pitch, which is throwing a pitch when the batter is not ready to receive the pitch. But if you're supposed to be ready by the eight-second mark, then once the pitch clock gets to eight seconds, he should be able to pitch. That's not a quick pitch. It can still be a quick pitch. That's the joke of the rule. Just because a hitter is supposed to be ready with eight seconds left on the pitch clock doesn't mean the pitcher cannot do a quick pitch with under eight seconds left on the clock. These players, with help from their analytics departments, GMs, and brillientas who all work in front offices these days, are trying to figure out with Major League Baseball what is going to happen when the games start for real at the end of this month. We're in March. It doesn't just mean March Madness, CBS. We got baseball starting. We have the World Baseball Classic starting. Now, this week, we get games that are fun to watch, except so many players. You see Vladimir Guerrero pulled out of the World Baseball Classic. Now is when all the soreness starts and the injuries start and all the batting orders that everyone was so excited about. Look at this Dominican lineup. It's unbelievable. Look at this USA pitching staff. Oh, all right, no Kershaw, no Guerrero. All right, we'll figure out who's next. It's still gonna be fun to watch the WBC. There's a lot of ruach, there's a lot of spirit. It's definitely worth watching. But the focus for teams and players is on March 30th, opening day. And what they're doing now, very simply, is they are trying to figure out what MLB is going to allow and what it won't. And what MLB's Baseball Operations Department is doing is they're watching the games and then they're sending memos out to the players. 
after Max Scherzer did what he did, which is basically get ready, stay in the set position, let the pitch clock wind down, wind down, wind down, wind down, wind down pitch. That's not what the purpose of this rule is. This rule was not intended, and I was there when it was being discussed. It was not intended. Go back to the legislative notes. It was not intended to make somehow a cat and mouse game between a hitter and a pitcher more than what exists as you're deciding what is the best pitch to throw in this particular count. The pitch clock was meant to keep it rolling, baby. No more of the batting gloves on and off and tapping your bat around or walking around the rubber. Get and engage Get on the mound. We made this rule because we were yelling at players from the suite. Get in the box. Toe the rubber for crying out loud. Not so Max Scherzer could figure out how to make hitters just look bad because that's not a good product. If Max Scherzer wants to get hitters out, do it with your stuff. Not with screwing around with the clock. So MLB sent a memo immediately. This won't be the last memo they send. As a matter of fact, Mikey, can you tell Coca that we changed our official wait to see? We had one that we were gonna do and I don't wanna do that anymore. Our wait to see is that Major League Baseball will send at least one more memo to all players and GMs and presidents and owners about the pitch clock rule. It's gonna happen because teams are looking for an edge. They're trying to figure out how to take advantage. And that was not the intent of the damn rule. Good try, Max. You know what else was a good try? Back on Thursday, our pick of the day. We had the Sixers minus one at Miami on March 1st, and we won that one, except you know what's weird? Embiid didn't play. That game, when we gave you the pick during the show, was Sixers minus one. The game ended up at Heat minus four. And I was thinking, I am screwed. Guess what? I wasn't screwed. If you went against me, you were screwed. Sixers won the game. Sixers minus one, that's a winner. There's stuff going on that's strange in the NBA. I do not remember. You remember Home and Homes? I do where you play the same team twice in a row, one at home, one on the road, that's called a home and home. Maybe during COVID this changed, but now there are home and homes that are home and homes. And I've checked this and I think I must be wrong. But what I'm reading is that the Atlanta Hawks have been in Miami since Saturday. They played Saturday against the Heat and lost. And now they're playing tonight against the Heat again, still in Miami. So of course, there's the South Beach flu. They've been in Miami for three days. It's like going to Vegas for players for three days. They're walking out of 11 and saying, look at that sunrise over Miami Beach. It's so beautiful. Get me some pancakes and French toast. We have a game? No problem, I'll get a quick nappy in. Hawks are a bit of a disaster, but they're getting three over the heat. I'm taking the three points. I think the Hawks with their new coach, now that Nate McMillan's gone and Trey Young has played so well, <clears throat> I'm still taking Hawks plus three. Back-to-back matchups, we'll see what happens. All right, we have a lot more to get to, but you're gonna have to wait till tomorrow. Thanks for being here. Hope you had a great weekend. Remember, it's just business. This is nothing personal. <laughs> 